You are listening to the Stand with Dignity podcast. Please subscribe to our Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalat wassalam ala sayyidina wa azimina. وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع نفوسنا أبي القاسم محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين وأصحابه الغر الميامين الحمد لله الذي جعلنا من المتمسكين بولاية سيدي ومولاي علي بن أبي طالب الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتني لولا أن هدانا الله أما بعد يقول الله في كتابه الكريم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وَلَتَجِدَنَّ أَقْرَبَهُمْ مَوَدَّةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّا نَصَارًا ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ مِنْهُمْ قِسِّيسِينَ وَرَهْبَانًا وَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا آمَنَّا فاكتبنا مع الشاهدين. Congratulations to each and every one of you on the holy month of Ramadan. And I've decided this year to discuss the life of arguably one of the most important personalities in the history of humanity and one may argue contemporary to our lives today. Jesus, son of Mary, is admired by billions in the world today. And if you look at the world's population, you'll see that up to half of the world's population admires him in one way or another. Members of the Muslim community, members of the Christian community, and indeed members even of non-religious communities have a certain reverence for Jesus, son of Mary. In the Christian community, some called him the Lord, some called him the Son of God, others called him the Spirit of God. Others would talk of him as the Messiah, the Prophet, the Messenger. And you therefore find that wherever you go in the world, one way or the other, someone would have learned a lesson from Jesus, son of Mary. Someone would have learned a parable or an anecdote. And within Muslim and Christian tradition, you find many important lessons can be learned and many important examples may be derived. Of course, you find at the same time, unfortunately, with half the world's population admiring Christ, admiring Jesus, son of Mary, there still remains many disputes concerning him. Disputes can, of course, be positive and they could be negative. Positive dispute could be a dispute, for example, about the virgin birth. That's something that you dispute in academic circles. Was he born from... A virgin mother, a dispute may come, for example, in relation to the crucifixion. Was he the one crucified? Was it somebody else? What does the Quran say? What does the Bible say? A dispute may come, for example, in relation to his relationship to God. 
Is he the son of God? Is he an intermediary between the people and God? Is he a mediator between God and the people? These disputes are normal and the Quran alludes to them when the Quran mentions Quran mentions and says Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim ibn Maryam that is Jesus, son of Mary, the truthful word over which they dispute. Because there is always going to be a dispute between certain members of the religious communities concerning his position. And we'll look at those disputes over the coming month. But worse than that is when the members of religions that claim to admire Jesus are those religions who, when they look at each other, have hate and contempt of one another. Have, for example, a method of showing distaste to one another. Have the worst of manners with one another. There are certain Christian-majority countries which a Muslim fears for their lives at times. And there are Muslim-majority countries where a Christian feels oppressed. All of us Muslims... And all of us Christians, instead of using Jesus as a source of dialogue, as a source of collaboration, as a source of love, and as an example, does not the Quran mention in Surah Zukhruf, verse number 59, you look in the Quran when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَعَلْنَاهُ مَثَلًا لِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ We made Jesus an example to the children of Israel, Nabi Isa was meant to be an example to us. Yet you look at certain countries in the world today, Christians and Muslims cannot stand each other. Whenever there's a lecture, for example, by a Christian on Islam, you look at the YouTube comments full of filthy comments, full of attacks, where we show no respect for one another, no intellectual maturity. And then you'll see some Muslims, when a Christian gives his opinion, saying all Christians will burn in hell, all Christians are polytheists. All Christians are mushriks. And believe you me, countries which I visited, they are moments away from showing complete hate to one another where they're even willing to kill each other. If I were to name four countries in the world today who all claim to love Nabi Isa or who all in one way or the other have said the Lord Jesus within their demographic or within their community, but show hate to people who may respect Jesus. I'll name four. The first of them, in the United States of America, there are certain states where there is brilliant interfaith dialogue. I've been a witness to it. You go to Dearborn, Michigan, for example, and you see the works of certain scholars in Dearborn, Michigan, where they sit with the priests, they sit with leaders, bishops, cardinals, and they engage in discussion and dialogue and collaboration and there is love and mercy exchanged between them. But then there are parts of the United States, Wallah, you'd fear for your life if you're a Muslim entering that area. An area which claims to have people who love Christ is an area where there are people who are willing to kill somebody who believes that Christ is a prophet or a messenger of God. United States of America has a large Christian population. Some members of that population are the most open-minded because they recognize the words of the Bible to be open-minded to others. They recognize the parables that exist in the Bible. And then there are others in the United States where if you're a man or a woman with a name like Muhammad or a name like Khadija, then you think twice about even entering that area for work. 
That's the United States. Look at parts of Lebanon, for example. In Lebanon, there are Muslims and Christians who get on with each other very well. There are some who have even intermarried in their own ways. There are some who, for example, have grown up together, have gone to college together, have gone to uni together, and are the best of friends. And then there are some in Lebanon who cannot stand each other, Christians and Muslims. They despise one another. They despise the very mention of certain figures of the religion of Islam, for example. Those people, of course, you'll see the cross is comfortably there sitting. The person's wearing a chain with the cross. But what of the man who you believe was crucified? Have you implemented in your exchanges with one another in Lebanese society? That when a person studies the last 50 years of Lebanese society, you see people who love Jesus in their own way, in their own theological discussions, but in some cases, not all, but in some cases cannot stand each other. Then you look on the other hand, Muslim-majority countries, Pakistan, for example, Christians as a minority in Pakistan, in some cases have been treated abysmally. Yes, there are people in Pakistan who look at Imam Amir al-Mu'minin's famous line when he says, people are of two types, they are either your brothers in faith or your equals in humanity, and they'll respect that person who's a Christian. But there are Christians who haven't even had the right to talk about their beliefs, who haven't had the right to even say that I have a question mark concerning chapters of the Quran without fearing that a Muslim may end up killing them, that a Muslim may end up turning against them. And we know that in Pakistan, <coughs> with certain blasphemy laws, anyone can accuse you of anything. So you have in Pakistan people who love Jesus called Muslims and people who love Jesus called Christians. And yet that Christian minority, like a fourth country, like Egypt, Egypt, strong Muslim community, a Coptic Christian community, but a Coptic Christian community and a Muslim community in some cases cannot get on with each other. They may get on in certain circles. They may work together in films in certain circles. But in some circles, there's been oppression. Why did Jesus, son of Mary, come to teach us to hate each other in this way? To live in a world where there is no consideration of what we have in common with one another? Isn't it a shame that in 2022, if Christ was to emerge, he'll see people who'll call his name, who themselves have not followed his message. And that's why in this month of lectures, I want to go deep, not just to look at the classic narrative that Jesus is the son of Mary and that he was a prophet and so on and so forth, but to try and learn lessons also from the Bible, not just from the Quran. Why has the Muslim community neglected the Bible? If some Muslims believe that the Bible is not the word of God, it doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't have some wonderful parables in there. And I'll discuss in the forthcoming lectures, is the Bible the word of God? Has it been changed? What change? Which change? Are there still parts of it which are original? Because there are Muslims in some cases who have this false belief that the Bible cannot be taken at all and none of it has come from God and so on and so forth. Therefore, when we look at these lectures, our aim is not just for a person to academically be driven, but for us to open our hearts the way Jesus wanted us to open our hearts. For us to be soft-hearted to one another in understanding the wonderful message of Jesus, son of Mary. And in tonight's lecture, I'd like to highlight how the Quran wanted to stress that your Christian brethren are the ones who are closest to you. 
And for what reasons? Number one, and which verse highlighted this? Number two, were there truly monks and priests who were affected by such verses? Number three, which other verses of the Quran called for dialogue between the lovers of Jesus, son of Mary, wherever they may be? Number four, how did the Vatican come to a conclusion over 50 years ago that Christianity should hold Muslims with esteem because of their reverence for Jesus and other prophets of God? And how vital is this declaration when it comes to our world today? Number five, how is it that certain priests would look at the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his family? and come to conclusions about the prophets and the lessons that may be learned between Jesus and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, and how even in monumental events like the event of Karbala, could a person who loved Jesus also love Hussein at the same time? Let's examine this and dissect the topic in complete depth. The verse that I quoted at the beginning of this lecture is the verse that I believe every Muslim household should memorize. Of course, someone might say, Sayyidina, every Muslim household should memorize the whole Quran. And you're right. We should memorize the whole Quran. But there are certain verses when you live in the UK, or you live in the States, or you live in Canada, or you live in Australia, or even the countries I mentioned earlier, where you should have verses that remind you. The Quran, in one of its names, is a dhikr, a reminder. This verse that I quoted, when you translate it in English, it's a beautiful verse. The verse begins by highlighting who the enemies of the Muslim community were in that early period. And I say in that early period because a person can fall into generalizing that one verse applies to all time. And then it's highlighted who the closest people were to us. The verse begun in Surah 5, verse 82 of the Quran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. You'll find that the group of people who are the most vicious enemies to the Muslims in that period in Medina were who were members of the Jewish community and those who were polytheists. This, of course, as we said, is not a generalization. That doesn't mean that a person looks at this eye and says that that's enough, that I will never collaborate I will never talk, I will never engage in dialogue with others. No, there are people in the Jewish community and in the polytheist world even today who as human beings have helped us in many different ways. But at that time, the Jewish community and the polytheists of Quraysh were collaborating with each other behind the back of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family. The Holy Prophet had established a constitution in Medina. That constitution, the Jews worship in their synagogues, the Christians worship in their churches, the Muslims worship in their mosques. Everybody respects each other. Unfortunately, some tribes of the Jewish community collaborated with people like Abu Sufyan behind the back of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, and they began to attack Medina. You all know the famous battle, the Battle of Khandaq. The Battle of Khandaq, why is another name for it? Al-Ahzab. Ahzab means what? Tribes. All of these tribes, Jewish tribes, polytheist tribes, came together to attack Medina. So you found when the Quran said, It was saying that that time, these people unfortunately were the most severe enemies. They couldn't take 
that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, was the most powerful. This is something that enraged them. They missed the power of Mecca for the Quraysh and the power of Medina for the Jewish community. So what did they do? They decided to fight the Prophet. But the Quran then all of a sudden turns this. How? The Quran says, But you'll find those who are the closest to you, Muslims, when it comes to mawaddah. We, the Shia, if there's one verse we love more than any other, what is it? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. قُلْ لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا إِلَّا Say, I do not ask from you anything, the Prophet says to the people, I don't ask from you anything, except what? Mawadda, except reciprocal love for my near ones. Me and Fatima and Ali and Hassan and Hussein showed love to you. Try and show that love back towards us. We gave everything back to you. You don't, I don't want your money. Don't give me any money. This ayah did not say For example Those of hub, The closest to you in love Are who? Are the Christians? No It said the closest to you in a reciprocal form of love That believe you me The members of the Christian community the, our Lord tells us there's a reciprocity when it comes to our love between us. You'll find the closest to you in terms of love between one another are the Nasara. What's Nasara? You know when ISIS attacked the area of where? The area of Mosul. They went to the houses of the Shia. The houses of the Shia outside, did they put the letter Sheen? No. Which letter did they put? Ra. They put the letter Ra to highlight that the Shia are Rawafid. Yes? An honor. Then, when they came towards the houses of the Christians, if you ask anyone in the Muslim community today, what's Christian in Arabic, many will say Masihi. True? Ask anyone. They'll say to you Masihi. But rarely would they call them Nasrani. ISIS, when it came to the Shia, ISIS put Ra. Rafidi. When it came to the Christian houses to highlight that there's a Christian living in there, what did they put? They put Noon, Nasrani. Why? Because the Quran, when it's referring to them, is saying what? Nasara. Nasara means what? Nasara is either I'm referring to Nazareth. Yes, you see Jesus of Nazareth. We, when we talk of Nabi Isa alayhi salam, there are a few places which are always related to him. Bethlehem, Galilee, and Nazareth. In and around Palestine and Jerusalem. Always when people mention, they say what? That area of Nazareth. Hence the name, the Jesus, the Nazarene. That area of Palestine. So when the Quran talks about the Christians, the Quran didn't say Messiah. The Quran mentions the word Messiah in my forthcoming lectures I'll discuss. But the Quran, when it talks about the Christians, what did it say? Nasara. Nasara can of course mean something else. What could Nasara also mean? Ansar are those who come and help you. Those who come and bring you victory. We talk of Ansar al-Husayn alayhi salam, don't we? Those who supported Aba Abdullah al-Husayn alayhi salam. So it could either mean the Nasara, the Nazarenes, 
Or it could mean those who were the aides or the supporters of the message of Nabi Isa alayhi salam. You found the Quran said, You will find the people who have the most love and are the closest to you are who are the Christians. Why? Ya Allah, why have you said to me, the Christians are the closest to me? Someone could say, well, obviously, in Medina, the Jewish community and the polytheist community were against the message of the Prophet Muhammad and the Christians were not, or the Christians were not vying for power. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a different reason. It is because they have qassisina wa ruhbanan. What's qassis and what's a rahib? Qassis in English we will call priest. A qassis, what is a qassis? A person who gains knowledge and goes deeper in that knowledge. Hence a priest is someone who has gone deep into the knowledge of the Bible. When I see a priest, for example, in London, that person is called a qassis. He is someone who has got knowledge of the books of the Old Testament, the first five and understanding the Torah and the rest of the Old Testament, and then has knowledge of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He has an understanding of the books outside of the Gospels, an understanding of the legacies of the likes of Paul and others and the letters that they wrote and the pronouncement that they made. They'll also have knowledge of what? They'll also have knowledge of the development of Christian theology. They'll understand the Nestorians and the Arians and the Ebionites and the different groupings that emerged. But above all else, do I care about that priest's knowledge or that priest's humility? True? If I look at someone with knowledge, someone with knowledge, there can be someone who knows every stat, every figure out there. What's the point if they have no akhlaq? Imagine that you may be someone who's dressed with the full garb of someone religious. But you accuse people of things and you spread videos about them and you spread messages about them without even verifying with the person who you're insulting or verifying with the person who you're accusing. That priest, if he has no akhlaq, it means nothing. Why? Because his community then will die. Because the community will look towards that priest and they'll see, is the priest open-minded enough to welcome other congregations? Is the priest someone who looks down at others, judgmental towards others. The Quran said the Christians are the closest to you because they have the qasis, the priests, and they have what? Rahban, Rahib. What are they? The monks. What's the difference between the two? The priest gains the knowledge. He'll come on a Sunday. He might give a sermon. The priest will be giving pastoral work and care for members of the community. And there are priests out there, believe you'll be in the world who have given so much back to humanity. Sadly, sadly, there's a propaganda, no doubt, as well as certain abuses that unfortunately have taken place that exists against the priests and some of what unfortunately emerges from celibacy. And we'll discuss Jesus and celibacy in one of the forthcoming lectures. Why did Jesus not get married or did he get married? Who's Mary Magdalene and so on. But when we come towards here, there are priests, these priests care, but the monks, what do they do? Priests gain the knowledge, go deeper, teach. The monk tries to cement that knowledge through dedication in worship. Yes? The monks, they may go towards their monasteries. And if I see a monastery as a Muslim, or I see a church as a Muslim, 
I see a mosque as a Muslim. Are these houses to be offended? Are they to be hurt? Are they destroyed? These are houses of God. These are houses of God. Don't turn around if you see a church in the street and you turn around and say, ah, these are Christians. No, 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 no. Imam Ali salam famously walking with somebody when that person looked at the church said, I wonder how much shirk polytheism is being done in there because of the Trinity. And Imam Ali salam said, I wonder how much God is being worshipped in there. The worldview, therefore, the Quran wanted to highlight that the mon monks and the priests, they are sitting in different places. Yes. The Quran tells us in Surah 22 from verse 39, 40 onwards, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The Quran orders that monks and their monasteries, churches and mosques are and synagogues are all to be protected. Imagine this message. If we gave it out to a world of war, a world of hate, a world which Jesus would look at and be in such sadness when he sees, have you ever heard Muslims say protect a synagogue? Or Muslims say protect a church? There are Muslims, I'm telling you, randomly in London, they've attacked synagogues. There are Christians who've randomly attacked mosques because they believed all Muslims were to blame for 9-11. This is what Jesus taught. When the Quran says, And you got the Bia and the Salawat and the Masajid. You're talking about the monasteries, the churches, the mosques and the synagogues. All of these the Quran wanted to be protected. Why? Have you ever walked into a church without meeting a humble priest? Majority of priests when you walk into a church are very welcoming leaders of your community. Isn't that true? I remember growing up in London, and there was a church near our house. I had an assignment from school. I went to our local priest in the church. He was very welcoming, and I asked him questions, which I'll ask in this series of lectures. Why does Jesus say on the cross, my Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? Who is he talking to? Who's God? Who's Jesus? And he was welcoming. He was not offended. And the Quran highlighted this 1400 years ago. What did the Quran say? The closest people to you are the Christians, the lovers of Jesus. Why? Because they have priests and they have monks. Sometimes not them. It's the priests and monks who are the ones that keep anyone in check. It's the imam of a mosque who keeps people in check. It's the maulana who can either break a community or destroy a community or build a community. Their priests and their monks are humble people. Subhanallah. Until today, you can meet priests and monks around the world. They are the most soft-spoken, humble, ready to discuss with you. Sadly, yes, you may find some who go towards a path where they become extreme in their evangelical message. As you have in Islam, people who become extreme in their evangelical message, let's not be around the bush. Any religious faith can have people who are extreme and can have people who look for what? They look for economical dialogue and look for scriptural reasoning. So the Quran highlighted that you lover of Jesus, you Muslim, don't forget those who love Jesus as well in a different way to you. They are the closest to you. Their leaders are humble. Did it affect anyone? Of course it did. Abu Talib, may Allah bless his soul, the great Abu Talib. Abu Talib, alayhi salam, alhamdulillah, we the Shia are proud that we say alayhi salam next to Abu Talib's name. It's a source of pride for us and it'll never stop. 
Certainly while I'm alive, it will never stop, it will continue. And while generations continue, Abu Talib for us is the flag bearer of Islam. Those who say Abu Talib is a kafir, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them hidayah. How a man can give so much to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa A man who gave everything including his own family and his sons to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa How you end up calling him a kafir? May Allah give hidayah. You found that Abu Talib alayhi salam is with the Holy Prophet peace be upon his family when the Prophet is on a journey with him. When that Prophet is on a journey towards Syria, I ask all of you a question. Wasn't there a monk who later sources called Bahira or Buhaira? That monk could have easily turned around and said, I don't want to reveal that this young guy is better than me because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa how old was he? 9, 10, 12? I don't want to reveal anything. He told Abu Talib, I want to invite you and the young one with you, please, towards my monastery. Look at Abu Talib as well. Abu Talib did not turn around and say, Astaghfirullah, Shirk, Bid'ah. Relax, there's no problem. We'll come and we'll talk. He said, please make sure that he comes with you. He said, I'll bring him with me, no problem. He brought him with him. Eventually, that monk, what did the Quran say? Their priests and their monks are humble human beings. Yes. Do not discount them because you think that you are a Muslim and you're the only one going to Jannah. There are people of other faiths, believe you me, they've given to humanity back more than our people. Our people are good at leaving YouTube comments for humanity. It's all they're good at. You give him a WhatsApp video to spread, he's amazing at that. Giving back to humanity, no, he just judges who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, that's it. You found that what that priest did, he told Abu Talib, he said, this son of yours, this nephew of yours is something special. He said, why? Because when you saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, he said to him, I ask you in the name of Allah, wal The Holy Prophet said to him, never mention these names to me again. These are the most detested names to me. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, 30 years before he announces his nubuwa, is already explaining tawheed and his firmness in tawheed and that he doesn't need a heart transplant to remove shirk. You found that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, turned around and he said, that do not mention these names, that Bahira said, this is the one spoken about. Now that monk could have easily hidden this. Abu Talib said, and what makes you say that? He said, number one, every tree that he walked past bowed down before him as he walked past it. And there was a cloud covering him as he was moving. And further than that, I saw his rejection of the idols of Quraysh and what else? There's the mark of prophethood on his shoulder. That priest, at that moment, what did he highlight? He highlighted that I may not be a Muslim, but it doesn't mean that I cannot appreciate what comes either in the sources, or that my humility makes me confess to something I might not confess to others. And that's why, subhanAllah, the Quran would always highlight, do not break the bonds between Muslims and Christians. Rather look for ways of dialogue between even Muslims, Christians and members of the Jewish community. If the Jewish community does not accept Jesus, they may take Moses or David or Solomon. And if the Christian community does not accept Rasulullah they take Jesus and Moses and David and Solomon and Adam and Noah and Abraham. The Quran would come and say in Surah 3, what does it say? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Ya al-Kitab, Ta'alu ila kalimatin sawa'in baynana wa baynakum. O people of the book, Come to a joint word between us and you. 
لا نعبد الا الله ولا نشرك به شيئا ولا يتخذ بعضنا بعضا اربابا من دون الله that we will worship only Allah we will not take partners to Allah let's go back to strict monotheism at least all of us will agree at one stage or another Judaism Christianity and Islam had messengers who professed and who taught one God do we agree some of you may have given different theological interpretations some of you may say son some of you may say image some of you may say in the flesh but let's stick to one point that our father is Abraham don't we all agree on that? Isn't our father Abraham all of us? Jews, who's their father? Abraham. Christians, who's their father? Abraham. Muslims, who's their father? Abraham. So how then can we not come together? The Quran says, Ahl al-Kitab, ta'ala wa kalima. Come to a joint word between us. Then the Quran and other ayahs also highlights there is a place in Jannah for members who were known as Yahud. There is a place in Jannah for people who are known as Nasara. There's a place in Jannah for you as well. Someone says, what? I thought Jannah is just for me. I'm a Muslim. Jannah is just for you. What do you think? Jannah is just for Muslims? And have you seen how some Muslims behave? You think they go Jannah? If he's in Jannah, put me in Jahannam. This person who's a walking machine of hasad on the earth, who's a troublemaker, who has su adhan in everything they do in their life, they only think negatively of people. That person's in Jannah. Baba, take me away from Jannah then, please. I beg you. But the Quran would say, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim inna ladhina amanu wal-ladhina hadu, hadu. Wal-Nasara, Nasara, we said the Nazarenes or the helpers. Was-Sabi'een, ladhina, they are the ones who do what? Man amana billah wal-yawm al-akhar wa'amala salihan falahum ajran anda rabbim wala khawfun alim wala hum yahzanun. Imagine these verses that tell us that the Jews, Jannah, Christians, Jannah, Muslims, Jannah. Someone says, Sayyidina, what have you become? You become a perennial philosopher or something? You've taken the perennial school? It's not about taking the perennial school. It's about rather realizing that at a certain point, there were those who were members of these communities who followed the messengers of these religions better than we did. There are those who followed David better than we did. Those who followed Nabi Yaqub better than we did. There are those who followed Isa better than we did. And not every Christian necessarily believes Jesus is the Son of God. Not every Christian believed Jesus is God. Not every Christian even believed in the crucifixion. There are different groups of Christians. I cannot paint everybody with the same brush. But what I can do as a Muslim in the holy month of Ramadan is begin to reassess my relationship with all of these faiths. If the Quran is telling me, or the Quran is telling me, Jannah awaits them, then I have to reflect that maybe I have judged the lovers of Christ and have sent them to hell without realizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Arham al-Rahameen, that some of them may not have heard my side, I may not have heard their side. How can I claim that Christianity is completely false when I have never read a whole chapter of the Bible? Isn't that true? I ask all the Muslims who watch me today, how many of you have read a whole chapter of the Bible? Wallah, if there was a Christian who came to a Muslim today and asked him about Corinthians, or asked him about Isaiah, or asked him about the Gospels, or asked him about Acts, or Revelations, or let's go all the way back to the Old Testament. Wallah, there are many of us who have not read it. We are only Muslims because our parents are Muslims. 
Likewise, there are many Christians who are only Christians because their parents are Christians. Wallah. If you ask them, do you really follow Christ sincerely in the whole way Christ? No, 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 no. Maybe, you know, Christmas time or festivity. The reality is true development of the soul of the human is when we begin to look through the lens of the other. When we begin to open up. And that's why if ever you want to research something on the internet, I want you all tonight, my dear brothers and sisters, on this, the first day of the holy month of Ramadan, all of you go and research a declaration from the Vatican in October 1965. Nostra Aetate. A declaration from the bishops of the Vatican. Believe you me, this declaration highlights what the Quran meant when it said that you'll see priests and monks who are humble enough to look at Islam in a different manner. Why? Because the Vatican had realized that Christianity's relationship with Judaism was not the best. Christianity's relationship with Islam was not the best. And so you had over 2,000 bishops in the Vatican who came together in October 1965. And when they came together for what? They came together to reassess. Well, what's Nostra Aetate? Nostra Aetate is in our time. In our time, how do we improve relations with Jesus as the pivot, Jesus as the axis? The Vatican came together and they said that enough of this hate between Christianity, Judaism and Islam. Enough, enough. For 20, 30, 40 years we grow up, all we ever hear is hate between members of these religions. Enough. A man came with a message of love 2,000 years ago. A message of forgiveness and mercy. Yes, there are times where he has his message where he's outspoken. And I'll come to those when it comes to some of the market stalls that were present at the time. But you found that the Vatican came together. What do they say? They say that we have come to a declaration that Muslims are to be held in high esteem. Subhanallah. How many years after the Qur'an, 1,400 years after the Qur'an said that you'll find the monks and the priests are the most humble of the humble? They came together. We hold Muslims with high esteem. Why? Because they believe in the omnipotence of God. And they believe in our father Abraham. And they believe in Jesus and revere his mother Maryam. Maryam alayhi salam, who's mentioned more in the Quran than she's mentioned in the Bible. But I don't know when I say Maryam's mentioned more in the Quran than the Bible. If this reaches a part of America or a part of Lebanon, will this have an effect? Well, I don't know. I really don't. Because there are some people, like Nabi Nuh found. There are some people that close, but there are others whose hearts are open. Yes? So the Vatican, 1965, Nostra Aetate, came together. Muslims are to be held in high esteem. Why? Look at the common denominators. How could we forget them? But shaitan makes us forget. Shaitan only wants you to see difference. Whereas when you come to the Vatican, the Vatican comes to the conclusion. What does it say? The Vatican says that they believe in the omnipotent God. Maybe slight variation in theology, but not enough for us to pick up weapons and kill each other in Lebanon. Not enough for us to slander each other. They believe in who? They believe and respect Abraham For us, how high is Nabi Ibrahim? They love Jesus and his mother Mary. Therefore, there has to be treatment of respect and dialogue and collaboration and dignity between the two. That is something amazing. Because it came out to a community and it said to them that enough is enough 
that you attack the Jews or you attack the Muslims and you want to bring them down, try and bring this idea of what? Try and bring this idea that you try and come together in peace. And that's why, Wallah al-Azim, you'll find that there are certain people in history. There are certain people, even in our contemporary society, even if I won't go to you know, the Eastern churches and Mount Sinai and certain groups who looked at Islam with a certain amount of respect within Christian circles, I give you the name of two people to consider their works. One, Anna Morland, has a book where she reconsiders the position of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his family. Okay, you may not believe he's greater than Jesus, but there are still some lessons between him and Jesus. There's some similarity. Her book, Muhammad Reconsidered, is a book worth reading. Another one is to not forget the professor of Islamic studies, the famous professor of Islamic studies who died only about 15 years ago, Professor Montgomery Watt. Professor Montgomery Watt, many of you would have come across some of his works, he even reached a conclusion that even if a person is not a Muslim, maybe a Christian, there's no harm them looking at the Prophet in a, in a good way. That the Holy Prophet had certain amount of inspiration, a certain reverence, a certain respect. That's the way forward. That's the way of Jesus, where a Muslim and a Christian can look at each other's work. Instead of a Muslim saying, huh, the Bible, the Bible's forged. There's tahrif on the Bible. I don't want to read it. No, 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 Habibi, no. There's a lot in the Bible I can learn from and things I can differ with. There's a lot in the Bible, and I'll discuss this inshallah on the forthcoming nights. A lot I can learn from. And there's certain things which I may differ with. But you found that some who are non-Muslims, they came forward and they said that there is no harm finding the common denominator between each other. And that's why even the Quran tried to appeal to that common denominator. Did not the Quran mention the story of the Christians of Najran, the way they were persecuted when all of you have read these ayahs, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa-Samai, that al-Buruj wal-Yawm al-Mawud wa-Shahid wa-Mashud, qutila ashabu al-Ukhdud. Ashabu al-Ukhdud were Christians who were burnt in a holocaust by the Jewish community. The Quran mentioned them. Did not the Quran mention as well who? The Quran also mentioned Ashab al-Kahf as a Christian community, the seven sleepers of Ephesus. And you know Ephesus, Galilee, Nazareth, Antioch, these are fundamental in our discussions of Christianity and its spread. The seven companions of Ephesus, those seven youth, where the Quran would mention in Ashab al-Kahf. You know when the Quran mentions about Ashab al-Kahf and it mentions that they were amongst our signs. Ashab al-Kahf they were amongst our special signs that they were amongst the lessons to be learned these were a group of christians who held on to jesus the quran didn't want to discount them and say no only talk about muhammad no there are those who came before us where there's lessons to be learned from their lives and believe you me even when the prophet peace be upon him came when imam ali came when imam al hassan came when Imam al Hussein came, all of them, in one way or the other, Christians would be honored when they'd sit with them. Wallah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, when he was attacked with stones and ta'if, who was the one who bought him a bunch of grapes? He bought him the grapes. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family thanked him. What's his name? Hudas. And the Holy Prophet said, Where are you from? He said, I'm from Nainawa, Mosul. And the Holy Prophet looked towards him and he said, that is where my brother Yunus bin Matta is from. Nabi Yunus, alayhi salam, shrine was in 
Mosul. And the Holy Prophet would look towards him and he'd say, that's where my brother Yunus is from. Imagine the Holy Prophet would remember this and he'd say to him, how do you know about Yunus being buried in Nainawa? And the Holy Prophet said, because I'm a prophet like him. And that person who's a Christian showed love to the Holy Prophet at that moment. Imam Ali alayhi salam with the Christians. How much he would highlight, do not let a Christian beg. That is a lover of Jesus alayhi salam.